This is Sharon Levitt of the Tyndale Momentum book team at Tyndale House Publishers. I'm talking today with author Reggie McNeil about his newest book, Kingdom Come. Reggie is the missional leadership specialist in, for Leadership Network and the author of numerous books on church leadership. Reggie served for more than two decades in the local church, has lectured and taught in seminaries, served as a speaker and as a consultant to every major denomination in North America. Reggie is married and he and his wife Kathy make their home in South Carolina. Kingdom Come will be available to readers this May 2015. Hi Reggie. Hey. Hey, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to discuss your new book, Kingdom Come. Well, thank you. I'm I'm glad to do it. I look forward to reading it when it comes out. <laughs> Reggie, the subtitle of your book is why we must give up our obsession with fixing the church and what we should do instead. What do you mean when you say we need to give up our obsession with fixing the church? Do you think we've been focusing on the church too much? It's great that you start with a subtitle because I think that really is uh, kind of the back door in the, uh, into the discussion. We, You know, I think since the Reformation uh, for 500 years now, we have been uh, at work very diligently on trying to get the church fixed, either in doctrine or polity or both. Uh, we've been able to separate from each other based on how we come out on these various points, fine points sometimes, big points otherwise. And, and so that the end result of that is that we've been just uh, consumed with ecclesiology, and all of our discussions come back to that, whether it's a discussion about gifts, we relate it back to the church, Mm -hmm. Offices, we relate it back to the church. Mm -hmm. Mission, we relate it back to the church. Everything becomes related back to the church. And so that ends up with a church-centric, what I'm calling a church-centric narrative. Mm -hmm. And I think all the evidence points to the fact that the folks outside the church bubble, uh, you know, it's a non-compelling narrative mm -hmm. in uh, which we are seeing in terms of the rise of the, the nons and, and people, particularly as we go down the generational chart as people are saying, no, thank you to institutional religion. That church narrative just doesn't sing. Yeah. Well, what's the alternative to a church-centric focus and narrative? Well, I think uh, what I'm suggesting in this book, the good news is we have one to pick up. It's one God gave us. It's one more uh, ancient than the church narrative, and it's <laughs> the kingdom narrative, mm -hmm. which goes all the way back uh, to the great design of God for life on this planet and uh, all of the work that he's done. And so uh, what I'm making the case for in this book is that we align ourselves with the big mission of God, which is the kingdom, and, uh, and that mission trumps the church, by the way, in my estimation. I know this is very difficult for some people to hear who think that uh, God's major mission on planet Earth is building the church when, in fact, it is uh, building his kingdom. Yeah, and... And why is it so important that we shift the narrative? I mean, what happens if we don't? Well, I think we run into uh, not only getting in the way, but actually running a competing uh, agenda uh, to, to what God is up to. And a lot of well-meaning efforts, uh, I'm afraid, wind up uh, edging close to uh, even being idolatrous. I mean, if we think 
that our agenda of uh, building uh, the church is the most important thing, uh, then it shrink wraps our view of what God is up to in the world and puts us in a uh, really uh, a, a position where uh, we're just not aligned with, with the major work of God. Hmm. Well, when you talk about the kingdom of God, what do you understand it to be, and how does it show up on earth when we pray that kingdom come, what are we asking for, and what should we be expecting to happen? We don't share. And I grew up. Um, I'm a church person. Uh, my my dad is a pastor. I have all my siblings are in church and church work and pastors. And my dad's uh, older brother was a pastor, and my granddad was a pastor. And it's been, I mean, so I want listeners to understand. I've I've come from deep in the belly of the beast here. Uh, and in fact, there's been at least one member of my clergy that's been, uh, or my my family's been clergy in every generation, all the way back to the Continental Regulars. We had a chaplain of the Continental Regulars, part of my family. So I mean, we, we're deeply vested. I'm deeply vested in in the North American Church, and uh, and so when I talk about you know uh, kingdom, I have to start out by saying that even as deep in the church as I was, I grew up without an understanding of it. Uh, you know, initially, you know, I, I was taught to pray the Lord's Prayer, and we would sing, seek first the kingdom of God, and then we'd do it in rounds, you know, and everybody got excited. And um, and and so, um, but I didn't, I had no idea what that was. And later on, it kind of, the message kind of came across that it was church on steroids, you know, and a bunch of church activities, you know, just heightened anticipate or when churches were cooperating with other churches, that was kingdom work. And then, mm-hmm. then along came the, you know, the the moral majority and all that stuff, and kingdom became our confrontation with the culture, you know, mm-hmm. to get it fixed and challenge everyone. And then, and then I went to seminary, and uh, you know, I learned the classic definition, the rule and the reign of God, which was still difficult for me to get my uh, head around because the rule and the reign of God. I mean, to me, that sounds like everything. And, and and so uh, I've struggled in this book or through the years, and now in this book I've put it out, to, to put the kingdom in terms that I think are get at the heart of the kingdom. I mean, what's the point of the kingdom? Mm-hmm. And what I, what I say is the kingdom is life as God intends. Mm-hmm. Life as God intends. Now, that, all that's important, uh, you know, not just life, but, but God had a very intentional idea about life. Mm-hmm. We see it uh, unfold in the garden. We see he plants a tree of life uh, in the garden. Uh, we end the Bible uh, with a, a you know a city with a river of life and the trees of life on both sides. When uh, life is when the garden is disintegrating, uh, God sends an angel to stand guard mm-hmm. over that to protect the tree of life because life is the point. Life is the primal mm-hmm. gift that none of us asked for and we all got. I mean, we just woke up screaming, you know, or, or whatever, and mm-hmm. crying, and, you know, we had to figure this thing out. But that's the gift of God to us. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. He says, I've come to give you life and give you some more abundantly. So, you know, uh, my first, the first question is, for me, the kingdom has come in, uh, in uh, to be this concept of the intentional life, the life that God intends us to live. Now, what that means is, since it's life as God intends, 
that means it's here and now, not just mm-hmm. out there. So when the kingdom comes here and now, it's much like what we see in the ministry of Jesus, who announces, by the way, the gospel of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't announce the gospel of the church. Again, we need to pay attention to this. In fact, he doesn't even announce the gospel of the gospel. He comes announcing the good news of mm-hmm. the kingdom. And the good news is you can have this life that God intends. And He and then he commences to heal and teach. And and so, uh, you know, he's showing that he's, he's uh, teaching us a better way of living, uh, which includes, you know, how we treat other people, loving God, loving our neighbors. And then he also demonstrates what the kingdom looks like. You know, the lame walk, the blind see, lepers are made whole. Mm-hmm. And so today, that's, you know, uh, those are people trapped in their system. You couldn't get out. I mean, these are folks in hell uh, because you were stuck. If you couldn't see or you were, you couldn't, yeah. you, know, you were lame. Well, you know, today it's, you know, trans- you know people who are uh, enslaved to, to addiction, people who, uh, kids who can't read, people who have inadequate access to, uh, you know, healthy water, healthy lives. I mean, all of that, in other words, quality of life stuff mm-hmm. is front and center kingdom because God has a life for us that he wants us to experience, including... Of course, it extends to the afterlife, but it starts right now. Mm-hmm. In fact, when Jesus is asked about in- inheriting eternal life, he tells a story about someone, uh, you know, who's down on his luck and, you know, beaten up by life right here and now. He doesn't let it be a discussion way on out there in the future. So I think that the, the kingdom discussion allows us to get with what God is up to in the world today. Mm-hmm. Well, if the kingdom, if it is true that what you're saying, that it is the kingdom that is the, that we must be kingdom-centric, then what, where does the church come in? What do you understand the church to be? Well, you know, I think uh, I'd I'd like to, you know, talk about the church and its connection to the kingdom all at once here, if we could, because I think that's important. Mm -hmm. The church, the way I see church is it's the people of God, partnering with him in his redemptive mission in the world. In other words, it's how we hook up with this kingdom saga. We are a special creation. It goes all the way back to Genesis 12. But God didn't create a people. Uh, The point of it wasn't to create a people. The point was that God wanted to create a people who would partner with him in his mission. Mm -hmm. The mission predates the church, uh, and the kingdom, you know, extends beyond the church. So we have a very distinct, historical, limited, this world uh, assignment. And it is to partner with him in a a mission, by the way, that's redemptive. Everything that sin broke or damaged, marred in the fall is being uh, redeemed by uh, the kingdom, which is an invasion force, uh, you know, invading the kingdom of darkness Mm -hmm. and retaking this territory. Now, what that means is and by the way, as understanding ourselves as the people of God puts it correctly, non-institutionally rooted, mm-hmm. uh, although there are institutional expressions of it, but it's about a relationship. Uh, and uh, I use the, the example of, you know, being married. I mean, I'm married to Kathy. We have been, uh, you know, for uh, coming up on 34 years. And, you know, everywhere I am, uh, you know, I'm Kathy McNeil's husband. Mm-hmm. And so everywhere we are as the church, we are, yeah. not all the church, but we are the church. The church is there everywhere we are. So I tend to look at church then as 
a way of being, not a not a destination. I want it in that you know it, it it's the way we are in this mm-hmm. world. So we church at work, we church at church, we church at school. Mm-hmm. Now what that means though, in terms of the kingdom, is when Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom uh, there and where he establishes the church. In fact, that that should be a clue to us. Uh, we we're supposed to point to a larger reality. We're not supposed to be the reality. The kingdom is not a subset of church activity. It's the other way around. Yeah. The church is a subset or, or a, a, you know, a sign to point to the larger reality mm-hmm. of the kingdom. And when we miss that and make the church the destination, uh, I think we get in the way of that large mission. Uh, I think we substitute ourselves. And, and what that means is every time people brush up against the church, that's you and me, by the way, not just the corner of third main, they ought to be pointed to this larger reality, to the life that God wants them to live. I think this opens us up for conversation, opens us up for engagement way beyond typical church agenda. Mm-hmm. And this is what I talk about in the book, which is we've been just overwhelmed now with church programming, yeah. with church people run by church people, consumed by church people. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really diminished, I think, the impact and the fact that uh, of our job of pointing people beyond us. Yeah, can you speak to you know that church pra- programming issue that you brought up about how the church-centric model is so focused on the programming, and what would that mean if the church really decided to become more kingdom-centric? What would happen to the programs? It's a great question, Sharon. And one of the things that, uh, for instance, uh, let's just start with the most obvious programming of all, which is our you know, our weekly gathering, the worship service, as we call it in most places. I mean, in in many ways, the the gathering has become the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we gather information about how many people come, how much money they bring. does become the statistics for a healthy church, and uh, or you know, one of the big one of the big statistics. And and so, and, and it's amazing that we can talk about having a healthy church without putting that against the backbone, but is the kingdom agenda, uh, you know, going forward. How can we pretend to be healthy? Uh, you know, we've got a hundred more people or a thousand more people, but our you know, our community's in worse shape. Somehow that just is just is too jarring to me, the disconnect there. Yeah. So but but let's just take that initial programming, that big piece. Um, you know, if if in a traditional stuff it's about the gathering and people come and we thank them for coming and and, you know, don't we have a great experience here, and this is magnificent, you know, music and all that. Well, that's all and good, but if we had a kingdom focus, uh, even that, with its worship, with its teaching, with its, you know, all that goes in there, would always be pointing people uh, beyond that experience to their uh, everyday life. Mm-hmm. In other words, they would get the sense that this is halftime, the game's out there, mm-hmm. you know, um, and instead of this is the game and you get to, you know, do all that stuff so you can come here and then this wonderful and this is preparing us for eternity and all that stuff so that people are thinking, gosh, we have an eternal worship service. I mean, that's kind of, but anyway, the, but, but the truth is this is halftime. This is a coaching time for us on how to be, missional followers of Jesus in everyday life. So I think it would get much more uh, externally focused, mm-hmm. even in our gathering. We would be talking to folks from the community. We would be 
you know, uh, having, uh, you know, so, but to move on, our education, for instance, would then, uh, in addition to gaining Bible information, we would mostly be a coaching kind of venue where, uh, again, people are being able to make sense out of the life that they're already living rather than just more didactic uh, or passing around information and then sending people out to apply it we would actually be bringing our lives into the discussion and we'd start with that. What does the Bible have to say to what I'm, I'm doing here? It's kind of flipping the script, you know, like mm-hmm. we're doing in schools now where uh, instead of giving information and sending kids home to do homework, classic stuff, now, you know, there are many innovative schools that are, you know, giving the information that folks need online. Kids can access it anytime, but they come to school and they do the homework. Mm-hmm. Because the, it's the application part, mm-hmm. it's the making sense of it mm-hmm. that um, you know is always the the big the big deal. And now teachers are then put in the role of facilitators and coaches, as opposed to just information uh, you know bearers. Which again, the technology allows us to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be different, wouldn't it, if if we accessed biblical teaching through the week. And then we came really prepared to say, what have I done with this? Or what difference yeah. does it make in my life? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a total different uh, deal, but I really do think we need to move that way. Yeah. Our youth ministries would be more about, you know, serving, helping mm-hmm. people. Uh, I, I just think service has been underplayed mm-hmm. uh, yeah. as a spiritual discipline. So all of the, uh, it, it would have, it would just kind of color everything mm-hmm. to where church is a coaching station, mm-hmm. not, not, the end goal of, or the dessert, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever metaphors we use sometimes that mm-hmm. make this look like this is the the best thing that can happen. The truth is, life's the best thing that can happen, and, well, and it, our times together should equip us for that. Yeah, it it just what you're describing sounds like a much more vibrant place to be than uh, sitting and taking information in. So it sounds like a a real life. A lively um, time to gather, and then that that life would flow out into the community. That's what you're, you're describing. I'm hoping so. Yes. Yeah. Um, we don't have a whole lot more time, but I did want to talk about um, how does somebody change the culture? They're a church leader, and they see the problem. How do they go about changing their culture to become? Can you give a a simple I know it's not going to be simple, but one example or one thing well, they can do. Well, I'm going to say three because I say all yeah, these in good. the book because uh, you've mm-hmm. got to do all three of these things. I'll say it succinctly. You have to, to create culture or change culture, you have to change language. Mm-hmm. That's what you talk about and how you talk about it. For instance, moving to a, uh, to a kingdom, which I think is biblical, a kingdom-centric narrative means you talk about things that are different than a church-centric narrative. So the language is important. The second thing is you have to change your scorecard. What you celebrate has to shift. Mm. So now we're reporting on how many hours we're serving the community in a kingdom stuff or how many kids are coming off that risk list and literacy that we're helping down at the school, whatever it is. And then the third thing is the leadership behavior has to change. We have to change the focus of leaders from thinking that they are here to lead and manage an institution to think they are here to lead a movement. And that's very different, but I talk about that in the book at some length. Okay. Uh, how, do the, how does the individual follower of Jesus become what you call a viral kingdom agent? 
you know, I, I, what I suggest in this volume is that you do a little bit of a personal reflection here because the king has put some stuff in your life that you need to pay attention to. Mm. Pay attention to the stuff that breaks your heart. Yeah. Pay attention to the stuff that, that you know, when everybody else is bored with it, suddenly you're interested in it. Mm. I mean, getting in touch with these passions and pains, mm. I think, is how the king, uh, you know, is, is a, is a on-ramp onto how it is he wants us to make a difference. And then I think from that point, we have to begin to think, how do I create margin in my life yeah. to begin to move in that area to, to do, you know, something about that? Yeah. And and then we have to take assessment of what do we bring to the table? What are our strengths? What are our talents? All of this stuff matters because God has equipped us, you and me, and all of our listeners, to be on this magnificent mission trip called life. <laughs> and we don't go on mission trips anymore. Life is a mission trip. Yeah. And so if we can get that, mm-hmm. then, you know, the good news is about the kingdom is that, you know, your life is, a, as God intends, is as critical as the life that God intends for those people you're trying to help. I mean, you know, you're, you and I and the folks listening to this, we're not incidental to God's mission, we're part of that mission, becoming, you know, the person that God intends for us to be. Mm-hmm. So th- that way we're able to actually, you know, be bearers and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, uh, and standard bearers for life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and that's, that's the compelling way that the kingdom uh, spreads. People see that life in us, they come in contact with that life, mm-hmm. and, and that's how the virus goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like um, how you how you describe this because it doesn't sound like work. Then it's it's really an intrinsic thing that happens when you pay attention to how God's wired you, and so it has to come out, and and then you're going to move into the abundant life that He promises. I think. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, one final question: uh, What sure. can church leaders and congregations do together? to become more king-biased in their local communities? You know, I work with a bunch of church teams uh, that ask that question, and I always try to steer them to uh, probably the the biggest on-ramp for most folks and the way to get the most connected to the community uh, is some engagement with the public school system, whether it's a Mm. classroom or a teacher or Mm. an entire school because everything that's going on in our culture is showing up in our public schools, every challenge that we're facing, whether it's the disintegration of the family, uh, literacy challenge, food challenge, I mean, you just name it, it shows up in our public school system. So, you know, you don't have to sit around and, and wonder a whole long time about how do we begin, how do we attract people into something we're doing. See, that's church-centric thinking anyway. Yeah. The, the way to do it is where is, where is life, where is the greatest possible intersection? Mm-hmm. And for most of my clients, it, it begins, it doesn't end. I mean, I have folks involved in everything from, you know, uh, creating community health care, uh, you know, case management systems to, you know, uh, tackling poverty, you know, generational institutional poverty. But, but most of the time, that local school close closest by or elementary or or whatever uh, grade uh, is, is just a good on ramp. It begins to get people in touch with the needs of the community and exposes folks to the virus 
and um, and uh, you know, it just seems to me it, it's a, it's a great starting point. Yeah, a natural. Okay, well, our time is up, and I could talk to you for another hour, but I we need to wrap up. Um, it's always sure. fun to talk with you. So thank you so yeah. much. You're welcome. No. Um, for our listeners, if you'd like to connect with Reggie, you can visit him at his website, reggiemcneil.org. That's R-E-G-G-I-E-M-C-N-E-A-L.org. And you can pre-order Kingdom Come online now at any of your favorite uh, vendors. Or you can find the books on shelves everywhere books are sold this May 2015. Thanks so much for your time. Bye-bye.